Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Jinx and welcome to 2022. Are you glad? Glad it's here. Some, some of you maybe never thought we would see 22, but we, we made it. I, I want you to know, um, I'm, I'm Nate. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Rick will be back next Sunday preaching, and next Sunday on the 9th will be a, a morning where we focus on and observe and celebrate the Lord's Supper together, so please plan for that. Um, I guess in a room this size or an overflow, and those of you joining us online, this past year, we've had a, a range of experiences. Um, they've gone from what is terribly, terribly hard to things that are very, very good. And maybe 2021 20, was some of both for you. Um, for me, this Christmas and New Year's has caused Angie and us to, to reflect probably a little bit differently because we just celebrated our, our 25th wedding anniversary. And I know what some of you are thinking. How can you be so young and handsome and already be at 25 years? Well, and some of you are thinking, oh man, he is 25 years. That's nothing. Wait till you hit my age. But as, as we took time as a couple to, to think back and even tell our kids some of those boring stories of years of our marriage, you know, it caused us to reflect that we, we have run into things that have been abundantly good, and God has been very, very good, and we wish we could go back and live over and over again. And then we look back at times in, in our marriage and periods of thinking due to our ignorance and our failures to think, I hope that we never go back through those again. And my, my guess is that a marriage is just a normal thing of life, right, that just like this past year for you, that there was good and there was bad. There was beautiful and there was ugly. But when we hit these milestones and when we hit always New Year's Eve, that it causes us to think back and say, what was good? What was great? What, what needs to change? New Year's does that to us every year in this, this January, this natural push for us to reflect back upon what was and think forward to what what should be or what could be. We make resolutions. And, and my guess is that maybe you've already made some resolutions or in the process of doing through to think about what is most important. What, is, what needs to change? And as I was thinking about resolutions, you know, we always do, we go back to the basics. We go back to what is best, what is most important, what is most essential. And now there may be an exception to what I'm about to suggest or some resolutions I'm about to offer to you, but I don't think anybody makes these kinds of resolutions. No one goes back and say, you know, I, I plan for things that are bad. I'm, I'm hoping for things that are just fall apart this coming year, right? Nobody says, I'm going to stop going to the gym. I just been going too much. I, I look too good. I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend more time on my phone and on social media because it's great, because it's really healthy for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch more meaningless TV. I'm just going to sit on the couch more this year. I'm going to gain 50 pounds by unhealthy eating, right? That's high, high dreams. I'm going to flunk some classes just because I can. Why not? I'm going to... I'm going to read my Bible less. I'm, I'm going to get more quick to anger this year. I'm going to honk my horn more at people while I'm driving in traffic. I'm going to isolate myself more. I'm going to ruin some great friendships that I've had. 
Nobody makes those as resolutions. Now, there may be some actions that we take place, but nobody aspires toward these things. We make resolutions on things that are important to us, things that are good. We make resolutions like, I am going to eat more healthy. I am going to exercise. I am going to read my Bible. I am going to make family memories. I am going to work on my marriage this year. By the way, midweek starts this Wednesday. We're offering a, a lengthy marital enrichment process called Reengage. Sign up for it. I'm going to work on my finances and get out of debt. By the way, we're offering financial peace that will start in a few weeks as part of midweek. I want to build relationships. Hey, by the way, we're having a women's Bible study, another study. We have small groups that meet every week throughout this year. By the way. But we, when we come to these resolutions, right, we, we make things that are most essential, that are important to our, our lives. This morning, I want to challenge us with something that I believe is just very, very basic, but applies to every area of our lives. And I'll offer you to you this morning that it's resolutions that we can make that are essential, not just because they're the words of Jesus, but because they're basic to our life as followers of Jesus. In Mark 8, 27 to 38 this morning, we're going to take us, Jesus takes us back to the basics. And because you don't have a, an outline in your bulletin this morning, let me just quickly outline what this passage is. Verse, verse 27 to 38. First, in, 20, in verses uh, 27 to 30 of Mark chapter 8, he's going to give us Jesus' clear identity, that Jesus is the Messiah. In verses 31 to 33, Jesus is going to talk about his clear mission, that he came to suffer, be rejected, to die, but then to rise again. In verse 34, Jesus is going to give us clear requirements about what it means to follow Jesus, about what is required if we're going to say, I'm going to follow him. And then he's going to give us, in verses 35 to 38, clear reasons why following Jesus is best. Clear identity, clear mission, clear requirements, and then clear reasons. Then let's, so let's see what the Lord is, is challenging us to resolve to do. In Mark 8, let me give just some brief context for this passage. So Jesus is about 20, uh, 20 months, about maybe two years into his public ministry. He's already chosen his 12 disciples. He has, is still doing public ministry and traveling around, around Palestine, around, around the country. Public ministry, but he's investing more in a few He's, he's raised up 12, trained them. He's already sent them out on the mission trip in pairs, and they've come back. The disciples have seen many, many miracles to convince them that this Jesus is, is worth following. But even though they're bought in at this point, Jesus is about to unearth that there's, there's more that they need to understand and more they need to understand about what it means to follow him in light of who he truly is. But first, they need to have this clear understanding about Jesus' identity as the Messiah. And Jesus makes that clear. Verse 27, about his clear identity that he's Messiah. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi is about 
30 to 40 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, right from the tip of Galilee where almost half the disciples were from, you know, Bethsaida, Capernaum. So we're traveling north, and on the way, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? You know, creating a good kind of hiking conversation. What are people saying about me? And the disciples, you know, obviously have heard, they know the, what's going on in the court of a public opinion, that Jesus' identity is a bit unclear. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah, you know, kind of the, the prophetic fulfillment of an Elijah. Some say you're just a prophet. You know, obviously you're, you're from God. But then Jesus makes it personal. Now, we know what the people say about who you are, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, being the, the spokesperson for the people, for, for the group like he always is, stepped up and answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. The one whom the Old Testament prophecies are about. That God's prophets and David have, have declared prophecy after prophecy about this coming Messiah, the, the anointed one, and you're it. You know, all these fulfillment of prophecies that Rick has walked us through in December, like that, that's running through their mind to say, that's you, Jesus. We believe that's you. This is who we know that you are. And the disciples were right. Jesus is the Messiah. His identity was clear. But then Jesus said, and he strictly charged them to tell no one. In other words, don't make this news public yet. It's not quite yet time. Don't go be my PR people. Don't, don't tweet this out. Don't post it on Instagram yet. It's not time. Now, just because they knew the title, the clear identity of Jesus as the Messiah, it didn't mean that the disciples fully understood what the mission of this Messiah was. Yes, all the Jewish people have been waiting for the Messiah, this Christ that was to come. However, to use Brandon's great description last week about what they were expecting in terms of a Messiah was sort of this gunslinger Jesus. Great, great job, Brandon. Give a good job last week. This idea that Jesus would come and get rid of all the bad guys and order would be restored and life would be good again. Peace, prosperity for all. That Jesus would be a king, not just a, not just a spiritual king, but this king that would come and establish a kingdom on earth. Rome would be gone. A king from the lineage of David, like David, a warrior king. That's the kind of kingdom they were expecting. But in the midst of Jesus making his identity clear as the Messiah, and then in the midst of him saying, but here's my mission. And had a, this, this Messiah had a clear mission. And the clear mission was this, not what they were expecting, but this, suffering, rejection, crucifixion, and resurrection. Verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man, Son of Man being this title that Jesus referred to himself more than any other title, a reference to Daniel 7, 13 and 14 about this, this Son of Man person who was, was before the Ancient of Days, he was God, but he was also in human form. The Son of Man, the Messiah, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days would rise again. And Jesus said this plainly. The, the Messiah's mission was to suffer, be rejected by the Jewish political and religious leaders, 
to be killed and then would rise from the dead. Now, Jesus had made very veiled references about his death so far in his, in his ministry, in his conversation with his guys. But this is the first, very, very clear to his disciples, saying, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be arrested, turned over, and I'm going to die. And then I'm going to raise from the dead. As a Messiah, you guys, I won't have a, a life of kingly ease. I'm going to suffer. I won't be embraced and, and put on the throne by the, the Jewish leaders of this day. No, they're going to reject me. I'm, I'm not going to live a long time. They're going to kill me. But then I'm going to raise from the dead. Any questions, guys? As I imagine this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, I'm guessing they're kind of looked a bit stunned. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm, I don't believe it. I, that, that doesn't fit the narrative that we've been given our whole lives. We, we know they heard clearly, but maybe they're looking around at each other. It's like, did, did you guys just hear what I'm hearing? And maybe they're making eye contact with Peter, and Peter's making eye contact with everybody. It's like, I know, I don't need that. I got this, guys. Don't worry. Just let me go talk to Jesus. So Jesus pulls, so Peter pulls Jesus aside, and what does he do? He, he begins to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, you're wrong. <laughs> I know what you just said, but you're wrong. Right? That what we have been taught and what the scriptures clearly teach is that the Messiah is going to come and kick the Romans out. So this whole dying thing, this suffering thing, this being rejected, this is not going to fly. That's not at all what we signed up for. We signed up to be with a, a king, right? A warrior king. You sent us out. Remember not too long ago, say, preach the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. Like, you're about to establish this kingdom, Jesus. messianic kingdom you mission described you're just you're wrong about Peter would have rebuked him maybe something like that and Jesus turning verse 33 seeing his disciples he rebuked Peter back and he said get behind me Satan in other words, the, the message that, I, that you're seeing, the, the motives you're, you're bringing, Peter, are of satanic in nature. They're in opposition to God's kingdom. It says, for you are setting your mind on the, not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus knows his identity, that he's the Messiah. He knows his mission. And he can clearly see that Peter and all the rest of the disciples have a skewed view of what his mission is. They're looking at things from a worldly perspective, from the kind of plans that would be best for them. And Jesus brings now this tension, this problem, this issue into, into clear focus. It's, his followers are putting their, their hopes and in, in things in something that's not true, not accurate, rather than setting their minds and trusting that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And now here becomes a teachable moment. Jesus recognizes the weight and significance of what, what they're facing. So he wants to address the issue and, and make the truth very, very clear. 
Now, we, we've all had this as parents, grandparents, if you, if you coach teams, like your kids' teams, like I have, like there's this, this time when someone in the family, someone on the team does something wrong, and you blow the whistle and say, hey, listen, I need everybody's attention. Everybody come in. Kids, come downstairs. Dad's about to teach something important. And that's what Jesus does. He, he brings everybody together because what, what he sees, things are going off the rails, and he wants to clarify what is true, what is accurate. And what Jesus wants to do is, is make it abundantly clear about what is required of his disciples to follow in to the mission that he has just laid out. There's clear requirements if you're going to be a part of this, as me as a Messiah, me as the mission that is clear. And he brings everybody together to give these clear requirements. Verse 34, these requirements, so it's really, I would challenge you, it could be 20 22 New Year's resolutions. 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. Again, it's a teachable moment. Everybody needs to hear this. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, let's be very slow and deliberate with what Jesus' words are, with what he said. First, he said, if anyone would come after me. There's two aspects to that. This is available to anyone. You want to follow Jesus? It's not just limited to the select few. It's not just the disciples who get to follow after Jesus. It's, it's everyone. He said this to the crowds. Following Jesus is available to everyone doesn't matter how, how much you think you've blown it, how horrible your, your life was in 2021. God says, Jesus says, you're available. This is an invitation available to you. Follow me. But also, if you're going to follow me, the, the requirements apply to everyone. If, if anyone wants to come after me, then here's what's required of you. Doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 30 years, you don't get an exemption. Doesn't matter if you were, you were raised in a Christian home, that you get easier requirements. Doesn't matter if you've gone to seminary, you're on staff at a church, you serve in the ministry. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to follow after me, here is what is required. Another word before we get to those, that first requirement it says, if you want to, if anyone wishes, right? Jesus doesn't force you to follow him. He says, if you, if you desire, you have to want to follow Jesus. He leaves the choice to you. If it's, if it's your desire, your commitment to say, I am going to follow Jesus. If you want to come after him, then this is what is required of it. Number one, let him deny himself. It's self-denial. To deny myself, sur to surrender my selfish, my personal desires and wants for Jesus. To put my personal interests behind God's interests. That's what Jesus confronted Peter on. So you're, you're putting man's interests ahead of God's interests. If you want to come after me, you have to say, God's plans take precedence. Mine get put behind, beneath those. Now, this doesn't mean, this deny yourself. It doesn't mean, like, pretend that you're a doormat. Pretend that you don't matter to God. 
Because God has created you uniquely in a way to serve him, in a way that is important, is essential. So we don't think less of yourselves. You think of, think of ourselves in the fullness of who God has made us to be and what he's called us to do. But we don't let our personal self-interest take first priority. It's the contrast of our selfishness and self-centered versus selflessness. Let us deny ourselves. Second requirement is this. Take up our cross. Which means a complete surrender and submission to Jesus. Now the cross obviously is a symbol of death. The Romans perfected this way to, to kill people, but really this is a symbol of Rome's absolute sovereignty and power. If you're going to be in the Roman Empire, you will submit to us or you will carry this cross to your death. And yes, Jesus, I think, is implying to his disciples and his people there, say, listen, following me may cost you your life. But if you carry your cross, it is a daily symbol that you have submitted to my absolute authority, my absolute sovereignty over your life. A response to Jesus as our Lord is that we give him our absolute obedience and absolute submission. Jesus' commands, if you're choosing to follow him, are not optional. It's not if I feel like it, well, if I get around to it. He says, no, if you follow me, you will obey me. Not out of Jesus being the, a taskmaster or a drill sergeant, but we follow him out of obedience, out of, out of the abundance of grace that he has given to us by dying for us on the cross. So why would we not give him our all? Why would we not bend our knee? You see, taking up our cross, the contrast of that is pride. If, it, if selfishness is, is the contrast of denying ourselves, then pride is the contrast of taking up our cross. Because pride says, I will not bend my will to anyone else. I will put myself as in charge. I will make myself be the God, the king of my own life. But Jesus says to, to follow me. Requirement number two is complete surrender and submission and obedience to his standards. Obedience to his mission. Requirement number three is to follow me. We follow Jesus in everything. See, you can't follow Jesus without first denying yourself and picking up your cross, though. These are all tied together. And, and when you think of following someone, it's really two things. When you follow someone, they, they're setting a direction, right? They're out in front of you, leading you, say, hey, this is the way you should go. This is where I want for your life to go. So it's, it's denying yourself and saying, God, I will follow you wherever you're going. Jesus sets the direction for our life when we follow it. And maybe 2022 is you saying, God, I'm sensing something new. I, I will submit to go and do and serve and pursue the things that you are leading me to do. But following Jesus also means we, we follow the example of his life. That he sets the example, not just in the morality, not just in the, the, the do's and don'ts of our life, but in, in the pattern of our life. 
Jesus is unapologetic throughout his, his ministry with the crowds and with his disciples of saying, listen, I am setting the example. You want to come after me? Then follow me. Follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men. Come to me, all you who are weary or laden. Take, take upon the cross, this burden, this yoke, and follow me. Learn from me. Jesus says, I am the example that we follow with our lives. We are to be like Jesus in everything, in what we think and how we think, in our character, and in what we do. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow me. And what follows in these next three, uh, four verses are, are clear reasons why following Jesus is best. You can see probably in your, in your Bible that every verse starts with a four. This is, Jesus is explaining. Whatever you see in scriptures, if, the, if a verse starts with a four, it's really the, uh, this, this kind of note saying, hey, they're going to explain why this truth was just said or explaining more about this truth that was just said. So why is, is following Jesus, or are the requirements, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me? Well, here's why that is best. Verse 35, for whoever would save his life will actually lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Jesus is saying, follow me is best because living with only a concern for you and your self-preservation will lead to you losing your life because you're going to miss your need for Jesus. You're going to miss the gospel truth of responding to the gospel. Jesus in the gospel, believing in him, laying down your life, embracing the gospel, spreading the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, these will cause your life to be saved because you will find life in Jesus. You will find eternal life in believing in the gospel. Verse 36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus is saying, There's a reason, the reason why following me is best, it's because striving for the success of the world will cost you your soul. Verse 37, for what can a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is saying because the reason why it's best to follow me is because nothing of this world can pay for your soul or your salvation. What are you going to give for your soul? There's nothing that can pay for that. Your soul, your life can only be saved by you acknowledging that you're a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you are placing all of your weight, all of your trust, all of your faith in who he is and what he has done for you. That's how your life is saved. In verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Why is, it, why is following Jesus the best? Because associating with and following Jesus, it will, it will, come, at, it will come at a cost. But it's worth it because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he will bring judgment. And there will be a giving of an account. So while you're walking in this world, in a world that is increasingly in opposition to Jesus and his words and the gospel, expect that there will be this, this fear, this natural reaction to want to shrink back because it, it won't be warmly received. But yet following Jesus is best. As we draw to a close here this morning, I want to ask you some questions. 
for you to reflect on and think about how, how do I respond to this? In these 2022 New Year's resolutions that Jesus has given us about the basics of following him, how do I respond? Question number one is this. As I look back at 2021, was I more focused on the things of God or the things of me? Was my past year spent more on Nate and what I wanted, what I hoped for, what I desired? Or was my life more focused on the things that would matter, the things that will carry forward into eternity? the things on God's interests or me? Question number two. Where is selfishness rearing its head in my life? To deny myself. Here's where a few of the places, there are many in Nate's life. (laughs) But here's some that I'm confronted with again and again. It's I'm I'm settled in. I'm I'm done with the day. And my kids say, hey, can you come up and say goodnight? (sighs) Maybe. How long is this going to take? Can I get back to what I was doing? To deny myself. On the things that I I see are just an everyday part of the the Nauman household that my wife does selflessly. Will Nate, will I deny myself and serve her? Will I love her? Will I lead Angie well? Will I put my phone down and stop the, the wasting of time and invest in things that are going to matter. Deny myself and invest in things that are better. Will I enter into the lives of my kids to disciple them? Will I encourage them? Will I be more intentional and, and God-focused and denying my, my fear, my anxiety about how are people going to respond to me and, and, and walk forward and encourage investing in other people? Selfishness, denying myself. Number three, where have I not surrendered to Jesus? Where in my life is still under Nate's domain? that I haven't taken up my cross and said, I I will die to you, Jesus. I will die to my desires, my selfishness, and I will obey you. You are the Lord of my life. To elevate God's interests above my own, to elevate God's kingdom above Nate's kingdom, to submit to his authority. Last question, does my life in 2022, going to look like I'm following in the footsteps and character and pattern of Jesus more than it did in 2021? Will I be following his example? Will I listen to his direction and submit to that? Will I, will I follow in and, and make Jesus' mission, the, the, the mission of the Messiah, my mission? Will I tell people there's a way for their sins to be forgiven? Will I tell people that there's a God who loves them and can forgive them? And that following Jesus is best. Will I make the gospel part of my mouth and part of my life? Will I make disciples of my kids 
and work on that and in, in investing and in discipling others. Selfishness, denying myself, pride, while I submit and bend the knee to God, and then following in the life and in, in the life and the pattern and example of Jesus. Pretty simple. 2022 New Year's resolutions for us. And, and honestly, this is what it means to follow Jesus. If, if you're here, if you're watching online, if you're in this room and you say, I, I, it starts with a relationship with Jesus, doesn't it? it? It starts with us saying, I need to bend the knee to Jesus. I've been living my life as my king. And I realize I've failed. I've not submitted. I've rebelled against that king. Therefore, I want to place my faith and submit to you, Jesus. That's a decision you can make here to start 2022. And again, as, as, as pastors will be up here, as I'll be here after the service, as we, after we sing, if that's a, a question you're wrestling with, man, talk with your parents. Talk with someone. Make that a resolution, a start to this year. For those of us who have given our life to Christ, who've said we're followers of Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Will our lives in this coming year reflect these requirements, come under the authority of these requirements? If you need encouragement or wisdom and just people to walk alongside you and, and do that, then, man, make us aware of that so we can encourage each other. But I challenge us, what... What is God leading us to do in this coming year? Maybe, maybe more than what we've just talked about, but I know at least it's to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus. Would you, would you stand as we sing a song in closing? And I want to encourage you to, to respond as the Lord is leading. If it's not coming up here, then, then write it down. Tell someone, this is what I hope for this coming year. This is what God is wanting me to do. Let other people into, into that circle so we can walk with you together as we all deny ourselves, as we take up our cross, we follow you. Let me pray as we close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus' clarity, for making his identity clear, for making his mission clear, for making these requirements clear. For making it clear that following your son is the best option we have. And God, would you, through your spirit, give us wisdom to know where we've fallen short. Reveal that to us so that we can repent of it, turn around, submit to your authority, and follow Jesus in his direction, in his example. Father, I pray that 2022 will be a, a, a year where we as your church, as followers of you, would shine more brightly for you, would put your interests ahead of our own. Kind of, then we've given up, just kind of trying to figure out what the next year is going to look like. But I know, Father, these are, are clear things that we can put into practice and you want them for us. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room and those listening online and those in the overflow that, God, you would give us the commitment to live these things out. Go back to the basics. I pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.